Hello and welcome back to the Deliciously Stella podcast. Uh, my name is Bella Younger. I run the Instagram account Deliciously Stella, and I am here with my school friend Flick. Hello. So Flick and I are rapidly approaching our thirtieth year, and we feel like we have learned nothing. So we are going to be running through some of the topics that we think we can hopefully amuse and inform you about. This week, we're diving into dining, or as Flick likes to call it, in and out Burger. Oh, burger off. So we're going to be talking about lots of different types of dining, fine dining, not so fine dining. And it's something that I really feel like um, I've noticed as I've gotten older is how different my dining experiences have been from my siblings. Mm -hmm. So when I was born, my parents were about, you know, 24, 25. And I was raised on a diet of chicken dinosaurs, spaghetti hoops, you know, pepperamis. Yeah, most kids have a dummy and you had a sugar-coated Haribo dummy. Yeah, 100%. And then my, my brother and sister were born when my parents were 32 and 33. And my brother's favourite food is Chateaubriand and he came home the other day to find a lobster alive in my parents' kitchen that had escaped onto the floor. <coughs> I'm like, I didn't know what a lobster was till I was 25. <laughs> and here's my brother going, Mum, why are we having lobster on a Tuesday? I know, there is that thing. And, you know, I think that you see when you look back... Like I remember at the beginning of school and just I think sort of different people, it was very obvious about how different people had been raised with their foods and then mm. also the status thing that happened. So it was less about what you were wearing. And, you know, on that first day when sort of little 11 year olds were clutching, you know, there was the pots of honey and bon maman jam and maybe even a lemon curd. And they were the kind of nice, nice set, you know, good parents, probably from the country, probably the ones that are now married and were quite pretty. Then you got the kind of Nutella kids and they were the fairly relaxed, they were probably the fourth child in the family. Parents didn't really give as much of a shit anymore, but fairly normal still. Maybe from Fulham, you know, Hammersmith, something like that. Mm. Then there were the kids, the marshmallow fluff kids, the Milky Way, you. And that was literally that food had been used as... A weapon, not a weapon. What's the opposite? I mean, you just basically pointed allure. and you were allure and you were the kind of ones that I was a little bit nervous about and you either might have been bullied or the bullies. You were all in that mix. Oh, yeah. And no, I, I, I mean, I think I've probably been both of my time. Yeah, I mean, who hasn't? And then there was me with a pot of Vegemite feeling like the kid from About a Boy. Oh. <sighs> who does that to an 11-year-old that's already the shortest in the year? Vegemite. I know. I, I mean, I was the only one that didn't have a bloody bra. <laughs> <laughs> just Vegemite. I also didn't have a bra, but no one suspected because I'd hit puberty, but just refused to wear one, yeah. which was almost worse. You had Toblerone boobs. Yeah, Toblerone boobs and no bra. Yeah, so exactly. so so offensive. Yeah, no, I was definitely that child that my you know my mum would go to America and would find the world's most offensive, unhealthy food and would bring it back and introduce it to me. So I was always that girl that had like warheads. Yeah. And, you know, really, really terrifying American sweets. Also, because I'm from Scotland, Iron Brew bars. Like, what, what's Iron Brew supposed to taste like? Apparently rusty nails. Like, <laughs> Whereas I was told, you know, my Maltesers was a organic chocolate uh, yogurt covered raisin. Um, fruit roll-ups were just dried apricots that had been smashed by, you know, down by my mother. Apple ties was just apple juice diluted with Perrier. I was that kid. And now I actually don't let myself go near Haribo because I have no self-restraint because it feels like I've literally been let loose in a land that I was never allowed to be in. Oh no, you see, I just like squandered my life being spoiled on the crack that was Haribo. Mm-hmm. And it's not a problem for me now. No, you could take it or leave it. I could take it or leave it. But I think the whole... Um, 
status thing carried on as we're growing up because there are different stages of sophistication when we look back at sort of how we how we entertained people when it came to food. Mm. So hit university and the plat de jour was, if you're a little bit fancy, a bottle of uh, crisp and fruity Blossom Hill wine um, to wash down a chicken breast stuffed with Philadelphia and wrapped in Parma ham. And Always. we had arrived in fine dining. Mm. Um, and, you know, there'd always be the girl that left the Parma ham and we get bitched about afterwards. But you know, it's not actually normal that we even had dinner parties at university. Like normal people don't do that. I know. And also the judgment on like what type of hummus you'd have. So I think there's like that the hummus hierarchy, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, hummus hierarchy. So you got you got your. It says a lot about who how the night's going to play out because everyone. I we're still very much when you arrive, there is an obligatory pot of hummus and something to dip, uh, to dip into it with. Um, and you know the real fancy girls. You might see a radish amongst the carrot sticks and cucumber. Arrive to thin, perhaps. Exactly. Then there are the people that no longer have Doritos. They have kettle chips, which I'm going to say no one likes because a kettle chip that is meant to look a bit fancy is always got that slightly greasy film on the top of it. Do you know what I mean? That hangs around, and I'm like, you're a liar because you pretend to be like a posh thing. But Dorito is all the dry deliciousness with that dust. <laughs> I love the Dorito dust. Exactly. And then you've got the standard Sainsbury's hummus, which you just know what you're getting. You get it. Then you know you're in for a bad night if it's the low-fat hummus, because we all care about that. But that tastes like a grainy gruel. And you know that that girl's not going to give you enough wine. You're not going to have a good time. It's so... I mean, I'd rather drink toothpaste. I like to think that we're Saba hummus girls, Bella. Where we are. The green hummus with the chickpeas on. Exactly. And they're... um, uh, What's that? Baba ganoush is quite nice as well. Oh, I love a baba ganoush. I know. But the world's gone mad with hummus. Like the other day I saw avocado hummus. I was like, just guacamole. Like, that's what it is. (laughs) Like, apparently, if you whack hummus on the end, it's a definite winner. Gonna get sold. No, there's too many different types now. They They always freak me out, you know. Stick to the stick to the standard. My mum started making her own hummus, but none of us like it as much. And she's yeah. like, "Oh, special treat!" And I'm like, "No, it's not what I want." I know. Just go to Sainsbury's, buy me the one I like. Stop ruining everything by making it better. You know, um, never order hummus from a restaurant. No, you will always be disappointed. You sort of just keep plowing through tasteless sort of bit like mashed potato but wrong yeah no I'm very much of the mind that preservatives can make stuff taste a lot better yeah and I never touch Moroccan top hummus because that just reminds me of our Moroccan trips that we've all got into and how we didn't like them you know how much I hate a tagine I know oh Oh my my goodness so I haven't actually had a chance to tell you guys what happened to me in Morocco is it to do with dining it is not but it's so good well and it goes then so I went to Morocco for a hen a, a while ago because we've been rubbish at doing the podcast and um, I got very very drunk with my friends on the hen and the next day I woke up and I was just I was too hungover to go to the souks so then everyone heads off into the souks I decide I'm going to you know catch some rays mm-hmm. so I fall asleep in 42 degree heat I get woken up. I've obviously got sunstroke. My friend is horrified. We're going to a hammam that afternoon. Now, for those of you who don't know, a hammam is sort of like a, it's a Turkish spa experience mm-hmm. where you're in a steam room and they take off your top and they scrub you down and they oil you. So I'm a bit of an anxious person. I'm in this hammam. I, you know, I've only had an orangina to eat all day because I'm so hungover. Bella, we don't eat orangina. So I drink. Them. I drank an orangina. I didn't eat any food. I sat in the hammam. I was borderline panic attack. I could see the hen eyeballing me going, don't make this day about you. This is not your day. And I'm basically, everyone else is lying down. I'm sat bolt upright, breathing very loudly. 
So everyone gets up one by one and they get washed down with sort of a pail of water in front of everyone else. And I can see everyone, you know, the women who are doing it getting a little bit more handsy as they go along. Mm-hmm. So everyone leaves. It gets to the point where it's me and this one other girl and we're stood with our backs to these Moroccan women in the hammam and I feel a tug. Basically, she's pulled my pants down to my knees and she starts washing my vagina. <laughs> At this point, I have a full-on panic attack. Bella, last week we talked about you washing a horse's penis, and this week we've got her mum yes. washing your vagina. Okay, no, it gets worse. So she washes my vagina, I have a panic attack, I faint naked on the floor of the hammam with my pants around my knees. They pick me up <laughs> off the floor, and they put me down on a bench, and they're, they're like trying to cool me down, so they throw water in my face. But meanwhile, I'm hyperventilating into my naked vagina, so I'm essentially being waterboarded in a spa. So I've been waterboarded in the spa and this girl, Sophie, who I met the day before, is going, get her out of here, get her out, look look at her, she, she's so hot, like, get her out. So eventually these two Moroccan ladies pick me up, one under each armpit, carry me outside of the spa and throw me into a plunge pool, naked, <laughs> in front of all the other hens. This, all of a sudden, makes dining sound just a bit too vanilla. Your life is an eaten mess. <laughs> It was so traumatic. So I emerge out of the water and everyone's like, oh my God, so I'm grey. I look so ill. And everyone's like, are you are you okay? And this girl, Abby, just dies. She starts laughing so much. The women have to lift me out of the plunge pool, pull up my pants, like put me down on a daybird. This needs its own episode. I woke up an hour later under a pile of rugs with a Moroccan lady rubbing my shoulder going, you okay? And I was like, no, actually, I'm not okay. But you made that bride to be feel really special. Oh, you know, I did. I absolutely, it was her special day. Have I dined out on this story? Have I? Yes, dining. You absolutely have. <laughs> what would be, if you had to go to dinner with a date at mm. his, what would be the deal breaker meal that would either make it or make it or break it for you? Spaghetti, obviously, because I can't eat it like a normal human being. Oh, that would break it? Yeah, no, I'm revolting. Wrong. Of all the things they could make, spaghetti would be the thing that would make you end it. Yes, because it would be all over my face. Hmm. But then you could do that. I mean, courgette I was... would obviously be worse. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, there are things that can be as much on your face that just make him more of a tosser. <laughs> Why? What would, your, what would be your worst? Um, I... Thing is, I, you know me, I'm quite like, I don't mind because my mother sort of instilled it in me. I can be a, a, a quinoa asshole when I want to be. Yeah, Flick's but mum I'm a, loves mung beans. Yeah, she loves a mung bean washed down with, you know, a big old glass of rosé. Um, <laughs> and uh, a Nice balance there. Um, but I do, I, I think it is judging boys for, for being a bit like that. So I think if he made me like a quinoa and tofu salad followed by like a gluten-free lemon posset cake or something I'd be pretty repulsed I wouldn't mind him just being like shit I forgot to make anything and then just bring out a hummus pot yeah, hummus is always good. So I'm about to start a supper club and I've, I've been interning Yeah, today. guys, just to interrupt, Bella's decided today that she's also going to become a chef. Yeah, no, I'm going to become a chef. Like, you, what some of you might not know is I'm actually professionally trained. Did you do Lisa as well? No, but I did do one called The Avenue where I also learned how to jumpstart a car. So please mm-hmm. never taught mm-hmm. you that. Yeah, so I did a Leith's course at school, so I technically uh, am quite good at cooking. Bella, at the Leith's course at school, you learned how to draw on paper the perfect carrot baton 
and then had to use that template and replicate and cut 40 carat batons at exactly the same size. It's called Julianning. Sorry. (laughs) And I was not very good at it, but I am good at cooking. And I've been interning at a supper club today and my supper club is starting and it's going to be glorious. But there are rules. If you want to come to my supper club and you're going to say that you are a celiac or gluten intolerant, whatever it is that you are, I want you to arrive carrying the prescription that has been given to you by your doctor yeah, to confirm this. Yeah, and a this. doctor's note. Mm-hmm. And a doctor's note. Because I am not accepting willy-nilly food intolerances that don't exist. Correct. Unless you have proof that what I cook you is going to make you die or very, very sick, I will make you eat it. Mm. But is it not going to be kind of like spaghetti hoops a la pepperami meatballs, Bella? Because that's kind of what I'm seeing. No. And it'll just be you in the kitchen sucking on the pepperami condoms. <laughs> I mean, I love a pepperami condom as much as the next person. I know, the only kind of condom that's ever been in your mouth has had a pepperami <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Too far, too far. No, it's so true. So disgusting. <laughs> um, I mean, that's true. No, but I'm actually, I'm going to cook delicious things. I made really, really delicious things today. I made shakshuka eggs. Oh. Yeah, and um, I made miniature croissants. <laughs> If you were an egg, what kind of egg would you be? If I were an egg? Yeah. Poached, scrambled, ostrich. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'd have to be a Haribo, wouldn't I? I've made my career out of it, haven't I? Yeah, I think I'd be um, probably a poached, but when the sort of white kind of got carried away and sort of ended up having like a trail of like not quite cooked. So you're really watery and a bit gross. Yeah, I also really hate the fact that I've said egg about 10 times. It's just a word that I cannot abide. I would obviously be a scotch egg as well. Oh yes, you would, of course. I once um, found a scotch egg in the footwell of my passenger seat in my car when I was at university and I threw it at a cyclist and it hit him when I was driving. (laughs) (laughs) That's got, it's got a bit mad that things like, you know, the things like sausage rolls and scotch eggs and stuff like that. I went to a food market the other day with Big D, my dad, and bless him, you know, he's, I think he sort of looked back into the 1950s um, and, and thought, well, it's probably been years that, you know, he's been even allowed a Scotch egg, well, since, certainly since he's known my mother. Mm. Um, and so he went over and was like, one Scotch egg, please. And they were like, great, that's £6.50. And him, bless him, I think he was about to get out, you know, half a crown or two and two and five. Or I don't even know how they spoke. <laughs> a ducker. But you know what I mean? And she was like, but it's not a traditional Scotch egg, it's a truffle Scotch egg. And he was like, I don't, I don't need truffle in my like basic bitch food do you know what I mean like mm. it's just having to kind of upgrade things so now it's like a venison sausage roll like don't be an asshole go to Greg's I'm just gonna put it out there I did learn to scotch an egg in Leeds mm-hmm. so if you need me to who is the most exciting person you have entertained for fine dining in your home I feel like this is gonna set me up for failure because I'm gonna say um my dad and you're going to come up with a really cool celebrity I've got a corker yeah there we go she just set me up for that so who's the most who's uh. the best person that you've ever fine dined with okay so basically because I'm such an excellent chef because I have done a Leith's course mm. come to my supper mm. club please mm. my friend was having a Sunday lunch and she was she was working on a play with a famous actor from Game of Thrones and she said that if I came around and I cooked the meal, you know, I would be allowed to entertain him in the home. And I was so excited, but I was completely banned from saying anything about Game of Thrones for the whole meal. So I had to pretend that I did not know that this man was the biggest person in Game of Thrones until I eventually just cracked and like screamed Hodor and was just like, 
oh my god, I'm I'm so embarrassed, but I'm so obsessed. And then just spent the whole evening just being like, I mean, he must absolutely hate me. All these opportunities you have, and you end up coming away hated. Of course, absolutely. The way it has to be. Yeah, this also happened quite a long time ago, and I was told not to talk about it on the podcast, but I'm going to now because it was ages ago. Amazing. It was really good. Favourite fast food takeaway, Bella? I mean, it's always going to be a classic McDough for me. Yeah. I used to go to the McDonald's um, at university in the drive through in Biker Grove so often they knew my name. And um, I didn't even have to hand over my student card for the free cheeseburger anymore. They just knew. I remember when we were at school and we sort of started being allowed to kind of drive and drive out places. We just used to do two rings into the McDonald's drive through So we just go around twice. Yeah. Yeah. FYI, disclaimer, Flick and I went to a school where you weren't allowed out at night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then we just sit sort of hotboxing the car with sad camel blues. I remember my driving instructor used to pick me up from school, take me for a drive and let me have a cheeky Lambert and Butler Gold. <laughs> <laughs> I was recommended to him personally by Laura Clifton-Brown because, because of this fact. Well, I can see why. That's probably the most appetizing quality of any driving instructor yeah i don't think i have a fast favorite fast food joint well i know it's well you grew up in london where there were restaurants whereas my parents have only just discovered what wagamama's is Mm. i always thought that the pizza hut thing was a myth because i was told that pizza hut had this um ice cream factory at the back of it where you could have a tub of ice cream and then as many absolutely sprinkles and well, never saw it, sort of think it was like when my sister told me that Polly Pockets moved and they didn't, so I've never seen a factory in my life in a Pizza Hut. You've never seen the ice cream factory no, in a Pizza Hut? No, the most exciting thing I ever saw was a stuffed crust, and it wasn't even on my plate. I bet you've just hardly ever lived at Pizza Hut, have you? Yeah, no, not really. I've had a lot of Pizza Hut in my time. No, I haven't. I always just used to have a little affair on the music block with Papa John. <laughs> Papa John. Uh, we, I used to eat so much Papa John's pizza at school. I know. Let's talk about the scary calories in a garlic dip. Because I thought that was just an afterthought. Like, you might have a guilt about sort of inhaling an entire Domino's. Apparently, one of those garlic dip pots from Domino's is meant to be shared between four people. I have four (laughs) garlic dips per slice. What do you mean it's supposed to be shared? No, because my good friend Emma, you know, quite rightly found out that there's about sort of 900 calories in a pot and just tweeted Domino's being like, liars. And they went back being like, actually, it's divided by four. She was like, unless you're a tiny, tiny little robin, you know, pecking at a pizza for your entire life, then maybe. But for a normal girl, four tubs per slice and you're done. My friend once got back from a night out and there was no food in the house. So she just ate one of those Domino's pots. And obviously she didn't use any cutlery. So she must have just stuck a little tug in, swelled it around. My friend and I were so lazy at uni that we um, used to order Domino's um, with Diet Coke and just throw away the pizza and have the Diet Coke because we couldn't be bothered to go to the shop. No. It It wasn't like a regular thing, but it happened. You wanted a Diet Coke so much you'd order a pizza as a side and then throw the pizza away? Uh Uh-huh. So I'm a real creature of habit and I like to eat the same thing every day. And I actually did a podcast with um, with a foodie girl and she did, um, it was, what's that, what's that channel? Desert Island Dishes is what we did. That's brilliant. And I was so uninspired that I couldn't stop talking about how much I loved smoked ham and mustard sandwiches. Yeah, you do. You're such a classic, yeah. classic smoked ham girl. Yeah. Do you know what the, the Britain's favourite sandwich is? It shocked me. What is it? Just guess. Take a guess. Mm, egg mayo. 
prawn cocktail. Oh, gross. And nine out of ten Brits eat the same sandwich every day. You are one of those. Mm, that's me, creature of habit. I know. Yeah. So it was the prawn cocktail, followed by ham and cheese, followed by chicken tikka, mm. making its ways up in the ranks, mm. and then the egg mayonnaise. Oh, really? No, for me, it's always a smoked ham and mustard mayonnaise mm. with a packet of Quavers. Yeah. And a San Pellegrino. Maybe to wrap things up. I can't help myself. <laughs> Three food things that should never go into food. I've got them right now in my head. Three food things that should never go into food. So, for example... Or goats. I hate goats. Everyone hate knows goat. I hate goats. Mm-hmm. Goats are disgusting. They eat out of bins. They make revolting cheese. Goats. My number one. Room 101. Goats. Yeah. Um... What else do I really, really hate? The only thing that should go, the only thing a sultana should go in is a scone. Anything else, stop putting raisins oh, in my curries. I hate currants. I know. I hate currants. That's why I hate tagine so much. What about a fruit peel? Jesus Christ. No, one of those, what, the Mixed sal- peel. A, a serene loaf. Oh, I love a serene no, loaf. No, that's my bit of No, stop. A bit of anchor butter on a serene loaf and you're good to go. You used to eat tubs of flora butter just mixed with chocolate powder. Yeah, it was the closest I could get to chocolate spread at the, the borstal that was our school. Oh, I'll tell you something that is um, has has been used too much is this new thing of sort of bashing a pomegranate over every single Ottolenghi-esque dish. Like, sort of, and they're described in, like, menus as sort of jewels of, you know, pomegranate jewels in my fruit. Stop doing that and stop making foams, you know? You go to a restaurant and it's like, you want fish and chips, but instead it's sort of a um, a lovely, it's sort of a a, a saddle of monkfish mm. with a, a, a with a, a seaweed foam mm. and a jude and a concentrate, and it basically ends up looking like you've dropped bits of nail varnish and and then some bubble bath aside an unidentifiable piece of fish, and you pay forty quid for it. Yeah, you know what I don't get. Oh, and there's always a caper on the top. Mm. Consomme. Yeah, a consomme I don't get. It's just it, a stock it's, cube. Yeah, it's liquid that tastes like food but isn't food. Our friends have actually said that there's a new diet they're trying, and it's this. It's called 321. Three cucumbers, two cups of stock, and uh, one cup of onion. Whiz it up, and there's a meal. Cucumber, stock, and onion. Cannot wait to have drinks with them tomorrow. They're going to be on flying form. I'd be on absolute flying form. But, you know, sniffing a drink after that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking of drinks. It's time. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening again to us talk about all the foods that we love and that we probably shouldn't really eat because they're disgusting. So next week, we are going to be talking about all things fashion or my lack of sense thereof. If you're enjoying the new series of the podcast, please do subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or Acast. Or if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at deliciouslyseller at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at deliciouslyseller. See you next time.